You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue Oscar nine-day month. We are into another Oscar movie that has been nominated for the Oscars. Best picture. We're not covering best costume design nominations. We're not covering the best makeup and hairstyling. Sorry, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. You will have to wait because we're here for our latest best picture nominee in Ford v Ferrari, a movie that we've actually already covered on this show, but we're back to cover it in an Oscar way and invent more things to say about it and bring in a Canadian who saw this eventually. And it's also going to be the last chance we get to make some Noah jokes because he's going to be on the show tomorrow, so we better get them out of our system right about now. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm H-A-P-P-Y, H-A-P-P-Y. And my name is Colin, and I'm lighter, I'm faster, and if I don't work, I'm nastier. A genuine Colin lighter. Uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ford v Ferrari, or as it's called correctly in other parts of the world, Le Mans 66. Um, we, yeah, as I said, covered this a couple of months back when Mallory and I went and saw it at the cinema. And I was always going to see this movie. It's got the word Ferrari in it. So it's automatically going to be seen by me. And yeah, I think we mentioned yesterday, a bit surprising that it got Best Picture nomination. I mean, it's, it's a good film, but maybe the one out of all of them where I thought like, oh, that got a Best Picture nomination. Like, I thought it was going to get more the acting mm-hmm. credits rather than the, the film itself. I thought Christian Bale was at least going to get something for this. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's again, it's still a good film. It's still, I enjoyed it. I think it's an enjoyable movie. And, yeah, here we are talking about it again. Uh, I mean, I was really excited to see this when it came out, uh, mostly because of Christian Bale. Like, he, if, if I had to pick one actor who was, like, my very favorite actor, it would be him. Uh, but also just having James Mangold uh, attached to it as a director. Um, I, he's made, uh, time and time again, movies that just should not work really work and uh i mean going back to one of his first movies copland uh which was just like a gritty crime drama where he pulled the best dramatic performance sylvester Stallone's ever had in a non-rocky movie out of him uh he made a western movie like really fun and entertaining 310 to yuma which was one of my favorite movies uh he, he made a really bad tom cruise movie kind of decent and <laughs> he made the first half-decent Wolverine movie and then the first great Wolverine movie. Uh, so he, he, he can literally like pull rabbits out of his hat and make something feel bigger than it is, which is kind of what I said yesterday. I don't feel like this was a brilliant movie. I am sort of scratching my head how this deserves to be in the best picture race, but then again, they have up to 10 nominations, so there's going to be some in there that wouldn't have been nominated in years past. Uh, but this is... I mean, by far, it, it, one of the more entertaining racing movies I've ever seen. Uh, it's just not incredibly deep. <laughs> it's not dumb. It's not deep. It's just, it's adequate. It, one thing I'll say, and when we did our, we talked a little bit yesterday about 1917 and where that would have placed in our best uh, movies of the decade episode we did last year, is um, obviously I had Rush as my number one movie. And the fact that Rush is a far superior movie than this, and that didn't get nominated for Best Picture. So that's where I kind of get a bit baffled. And I'm a I'm an F1 fan. I, I don't mind other forms of motor racing. I'm not as into it as other people. I'm, I just kind of switch my focus onto Formula One. So, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of racing movies, surprisingly enough. But, I mean, of the ones I have seen, like, I agree with you, this is pretty mad. It's, it's very hard to make a racing movie. Like, it's it's a common thing in 
Formula yeah. One circles that it's like, look, you're never really going to make a good movie about it because let's look at Driven, for example, a very weird example, but like that was initially going to be a Formula One movie and then kind of things just didn't work out so Sylvester Sloan made it into IndyCars, thank God. Um, although that's still a weird, guilty pleasure. But anyway, that's another episode. That's a guilty pleasure for me It's too. a terrible movie, <laughs> but it's terribly bad that it's kind of weirdly enjoyable. But... Um, yeah, so I think kind of, you know, you compare like Driven to this and you can clearly see Ford v Ferrari is far superior, but it's just, um, I mean, it's a unique story, I think, kind of on this and it's it's very Americanized, definitely. <laughs> um, the fact that even in America, they can't call this Le Mans 66 because that was the one thing I took out of this movie the most is when I left it, I said to Mallory, I'm like, why was that called Ford v Ferrari? There's like about 10% of this movie is about the battle with Ferrari. The rest is all just about, you know, Carol Shelby and just this whole building of the Ford to get into Le Mans and, and win. It's kind of, it's a bit misleading the title for me, but, um, yeah, I mean, Ferrari, it's a selling point for Ben Waterworth, and I'm sure that's what James Mangold was going for. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about the title until I was probably 10 or 15 minutes in the movie, and it's actually for a different reason than what you're talking about. I thought to myself, like, why are you going to make a movie that is about two brands? Like, are they allowed to make a Pro 4 movie that's essentially a, a anti-Ferrari movie? Without Ferrari's permission, did Ferrari give permission to be portrayed as boobs in this? I don't uh, think so. <laughs> villainous boobs. <laughs> it, it's just it, it. It was really bizarre to me. It would be like if a movie came out that was Pepsi versus Coke, and Coke was supposed to be the villains. Like, would Coke ever allow that? Like, these are brands. It, it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, having said that, I actually preferred this movie when it wasn't about that. Like, I like the idea of Ford wanting to build their brand. And if I have one negative thing to take away from this movie, it's that the whole we need to beat Ferrari thing just felt very formulaic and tactical. I think this movie overall is a very formulaic movie. And I liked it so much more when it was like a sports movie. I think that's what James Mangold did right about this. He made this a sports movie, whereas with Rush, we talked about when we did our top 50 movies. I mean, I saw Rush and thought that was a really good movie and then just instantly forgot it. And it's a movie I still to this day always forget existed. It didn't really leave a lasting impression on me, but I think that is kind of a racing movie thing. It doesn't always lend itself the best. But this, if, if it's going to have one benefit over those other movies is that it's kind of filmed and portrayed more as a sports story than anything else especially when you get to the ending which feels like something that would be out of cool runnings or miracle you know yeah no and i think you summed up very well there when you say it is very formulaic and i think the difference that i'll say with rush is that i think rush leaves more of an emotional impact on you just with this this the stories between two men and kind of their rivalry and just getting to that point. Whereas this, the characters, yeah, yeah. Whereas this, it's kind of it is. It's more about that overarching story when it comes to just Ford and doing that win. And I think what to me takes away from this movie being called Four V Ferrari is that it, like, yeah, it's a Carol Shelby story, but I think it's more the Ken Miles story and kind of just you know seeing Christian Bale's character and like that. Ford V Ferrari doesn't sum that up to me because you know Ken Miles isn't. Uh, a Ford, you know, I mean, Carol Shelby's a Ford man, whereas, like, you know, Ken Miles necessarily wasn't. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where it takes a little way away from it. But I think you're right. I think it is, it's a very, you know, as a sports movie, you know, it's, it's solid. It's kind of, this is what you want from a sports movie. And sports movies are kind of, I mean, I know we get a lot of boxing movies nominated, don't we, for best pictures and that. But, I mean, it is kind of a genre of movies mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily get a whole, I mean, that's not true. I guess that you do have some sports movies. But, 
I always think of boxing movies as the sports movies that get nominated for, for mm-hmm. Oscars. But, um, yeah, I think just while we're talking about Ken Miles, the acting, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, I mean, this is where it's kind of obviously sold a lot around these two. Initially, it was meant to be Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Uh, so that would have been very interesting how that would have played out. I wonder if this would have made much of a difference. But, um, I mean, look, both very likable actors. I think Christian Bale and Matt Damon, everyone likes them, right? You obviously like Christian Bale a lot. Mallory mm-hmm. likes Christian Bale a lot. I like Christian Bale a lot. Uh, I also like Matt Damon. Um, you know, two very likable leads. And again, this was, as I kept saying, one of these movies that I really felt was going to get the acting love and not the best picture love because this only got nominated, let's look at the Golden Globes, it only got nominated for uh, best actor for Christian Bale. Did not get a best picture nomination mm-hmm. in any category and here it is all of a sudden getting one in the Oscars. So a bit of a shock. And a lot of the um, pre-season, I don't know if you sit down and follow much of the awards race before the nomination started. I like to kind of see who's getting the, the whispers and the talk about that. And Christian Bale was always on every single list I ever saw. They were like, Christian Bale will be a lock to get a Best Actor nomination, and he hasn't even gotten one here. So I think the acting, again, we've talked a lot about this, is very strong, probably not outstanding. I think we've definitely seen Christian Bale in a lot better performances. He was a lot better in Vice last year, whether or not that film was better or not. But still, very enjoyable. He gets into the character very, very well. Matt Damon does a very good job, I think a very, very good job. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, Josh Lucas is just the absolute prick of everything. I mean, Josh Lucas is amazing. I don't know how you feel about Josh <laughs> he Lucas, is. but he's just, he's just great. He just plays this role like that. Mm-hmm. He's so good. I'm not that familiar. Is it with, is it John Bernthal? Is that how you say his name? Um, oh, yeah, Bernthal. I'm not, sure. I'm not really familiar with him, but I think he was really, really good in this uh, role. The guy who played Henry Ford II, uh, Tracy Letts, was fantastic. And a special shout out to uh, Australian Survivor host Jonathan Lapalia for his two second cameo yeah, at the beginning. I was yeah, I I don't know if you noticed that because I, I I remember when I left this movie, the first thing I did was get on my phone. And was like, was that Jonathan Lapalia at the beginning of this movie? And it was. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but the, the acting in this movie is is good. Yeah, you know the funny thing though is about the acting. Um, I, I think the reason that we didn't even get a Christian Bale nomination is that there's really not much character there. I mean, there's a lot of personality for the character, but it's not like the character has this massive journey. The biggest journey is basically convincing his wife if he can do this again. And it's sort of one scene and it's over. And then that almost gets forgotten in the movie. That's another negative of the movie is that they build up a conflict and then it's simply not a conflict for the entire movie. And then when you get to how the story ends, there's supposed to be this big emotional moment and I just didn't feel it at all because from that point on, it's just, okay, so how do we make the car faster? All right, so how do we make this turn? Okay, so uh, how are we going to get faster on this next lap? And it just all became about the business that I didn't really – there, there wasn't really anything with the characters to follow. Whereas all the other ones we have here, there, there's a lot more that they have to play emotionally, whereas this was just Christian Bale strictly playing personality. Um, that's probably, I think, the reason why I wasn't surprised that he didn't get a Best Actor nomination. Um, I mean, and Matt Damon is simply just playing Matt Damon as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I didn't see that he was doing anything, you know, particularly unique or special, whereas I think with at least Christian Bale, he had like a very huge personality he had to fill. And I don't know if this is like, you know, your genre of racing, if it's, you said that you don't know much about it, but it, 
are both these guys fair? I mean, I think that Carol Shelby is pretty well known. I mean, there's documentaries of him and everything, but is Ken Miles like fairly well known? They sort of mentioned at the end of the movie and like the the little epilogue thing. He's like in the Racing Hall of Fame or whatever. But is this considered like an iconic character that people would get excited about? I, I, I mean, Carol Shelby, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Ken Miles, not necessarily as much. I think kind of I I only knew limited. I'd heard the name before. But, um, you know, again, as somebody who is more of a, a Formula One fan, I mean, I believe Ken Miles attempted a, a start in one Formula One race. It was a lot different back then. Obviously, you can kind of just show up with your own car and go, hey, I'm going to try and qualify, whereas you can't do that today. So um, that was kind of my knowledge. But, I mean, it's kind of interesting to like think that they kind of portray this movie as, you know, he's built up, he's going to get selected for Le Mans and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's never mentioned. He actually did race in Le Mans the year before he actually is shown in this movie, and he had attempted it 10 years previously. So there's a couple of little creative licensing. They make it seem like this is his one and only attempt and all this sort of stuff. So... Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think that it's it's a unique take to be able to see more of this story of this man because I think he's definitely one of these sort of drivers who, you know, he's got a bit of name recognition, probably more in the US because you know he predominantly raced in the states. But um, I think kind of it's it's you know as we've seen in a lot of these sort of sporting movies, you can take one of these sort of lesser knowns and kind of make a big story out of it, and then all of a sudden you realise that hey, they've actually got a really good story to. I mean. I'm sure the, the Jamaican bobsled in 1988 was a huge deal, but, I mean, would it have been a huge of deal uh, if it wasn't for Cool Runnings? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, with the, the other characters, I mean, those are probably more iconic. I think everybody knows who Henry Ford is. I think everybody probably has at least a little bit of knowledge about who, who Lee Iacocca is, too. Uh, so uh, this... I, again, I, I sort of saw what the story was, didn't realize that these characters were, or who they would be when you watch the trailer, you just think it's a racing movie, and then you see it, and I guess this is supposed to be more of a biopic uh, than it is. Uh, it, it kind of fits a couple different categories. You know, it's mm. a racing movie, it's a sports movie, it's a biopic, and maybe because it's all those different things, it didn't quite feel like it clicked as like one you know brilliant masterpiece that it could have been. Uh, I think what does really work in this is the racing scenes. You know, there's a reason why racing movies usually don't translate as well. And that's because how do you translate running around a track over and over and over again? And this, it's, I think, more interesting just because of the nature of the race where they say, what is it? It's a full 24-hour race and you have to swap drivers out every, you know, four or six hours or something like that. So uh, it, you have a longer period of time to go through it. But at the same time, I think there still is that negative of, it's not like, you know, in a boxing movie, this guy throws a punch, this guy throws a harder punch. It's sort of like, all right, we had six minutes here. Now I'm ready to slowly pass him, you know? <laughs> um, but the way that the racing scenes are filmed are exciting. And I think the sound adds a lot to that, too, which is why it's probably uh, been nominated. And even the score, it, it's kind of like a really fun. I think Michael Giacchino did the score for this, didn't he? He did, yeah. And he was not nominated, which I was shocked at, because I think a lot of the ones that have been nominated this year aren't exactly these huge memorable scores. Uh, but the, I found the racing scenes to be a lot more fun, a lot more easy to follow than other movies, including Rush, which I thought Rush, when I saw it, you know, was like, okay, that's decent. But it's not like the racing scenes really grabbed me as something groundbreaking. I think um, that racing films on paper should make for great movies, because motor racing is exciting it's cars chasing each other at high speed for action and it's kind of that's something that really should translate well to screen but it, it just it sadly doesn't really translate that well because it is very tricky 
Um, just actually really quickly, no, he didn't do the score for this one, Michael Giacchino. I thought he did too, actually, but um, apparently we're both wrong. Sorry, I just had to clarify that. Um, so, yeah, and, like, that's where, like, there's just a lot of negativity in a lot of, you know, motor racing fan circles. It's, why can't you get a good film out of, of car racing? Um, so yeah, like the, the action scenes, you know, they're, they're great to see. And I think, I think a lot of the time too, it it comes down to that, you know, we're watching a, a, you're watching a motor race and there's a big crash, right? And you know, there's certain ways that crashes happen and that, and for the most part, like movies will make it really fake and kind of straight away that you're like, Oh, that's not real. Like there's that great series. I think it's variety or GQ or one of these ones, they get like a professional. So like a professional lawyer. And they'll sit them down and they'll show them scenes from legal movies. And then the lawyer basically will sit there on this YouTube video and go, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that couldn't happen, that couldn't happen. Or they'll say, oh, that's all completely accurate, that's exactly how it would happen. So they actually got the Australian Formula 1 driver, Daniel Ricciardo, on one of these ones. And they basically showed him a bunch of racing films. And they were like, you know, could this actually happen? And for the most part, he's like, oh, yeah, no, that, yeah, no, that can probably happen. Like, oh, no, there's no way that could happen. They're very interesting. I recommend people watching them. Um, because I think the thing with Le Mans is that, I mean, this is obviously a legitimate race. This is still going to this day. It's one of the most prestigious car races anywhere in the world. It's, I'm sure you know the Indy 500 and the Monaco Grand Prix. Like, basically, there's this thing called the Triple Crown, and I believe only one or two people have ever done it before, where you win the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indy 500, and the Le Mans 24 hours, which is very tricky to do. Um, because different categories, different cars, all that sort of thing. So the Le Mans is a very iconic race, and one of the greatest um, car racing movies of all time. It's just called Le Mans. I think it was made in the 60s from memory. Um, so it is a race that has got steeped history in it, so obviously there's probably lots of stories you could tell. But, yeah, I, I think that just everything about the film on a technical level is fantastic. The sound's great. We talked about that with 1917, about how this will probably be up there as a chance to win one of the sound editing or sound mixing categories visually it looks fantastic i mean i think kind of on a technical side of things this movie looks really good although the one thing that makes me mad still to this day and i talked about in our other episode the visual look of enzo ferrari is crap he doesn't look like enzo ferrari (laughs) he looks like a bomb villain yeah (laughs) Uh, that's not the problem they always just sort of have him like you know Giving giving the stink eye as he's watching, like it just felt like mustache twirling villain who doesn't really speak. But like Enzo Ferrari is a bit cartoonish. Like look him up; he does look a bit cartoonish. But um, no, I didn't agree with how he looked. But they're actually they are in the process of making an Enzo Ferrari movie um, on his life. So um, you know that's one we'll be looking at. Um, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, it's very interesting just how that was my one real negative <laughs> taken away from this. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I had a couple of negative takeaways from this. Uh, I think I've already stated a few, but yet there's nothing that I dislike about the movie. Like, I, I, I feel like if this had never been nominated for Best Picture, I would have watched it and be like, "Wow, what a great movie!" and never thought a second, you know, uh, uh, afterwards about it. Uh, but just the fact this is nominated for Best Picture, like, there are definitely movies as we go through our rankings that I, you know, am more down on. Um, but this feels like something that would could have been a best picture nominated movie maybe 10 15 years ago mm. but i think we've definitely seen a million other movies like this since then you know uh and, and maybe it is just a, an oscars thing like every time you portray these uh even though i'm kind of questioning you know how famous are they we've clearly identified there are four very famous people that are depicted in this movie 
And every time there's like a big biopic like Bohemian Rhapsody or Walk the Line, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, racing. I mean, Howard Hughes in The Aviator, it just feels like Hollywood has to award anything where it's a big character if you do a fairly classy, uh, you know, biopic on them. Yeah, it's a very good point, actually. A very good point because, I mean, I, I would definitely go out on a limb and say that Rocket Man was a far better movie than this. And did Rocket Man get any nominees out, nominations outside of the best original s- song? I don't think it did. Song was it? Yeah, yeah. and like that's surprising yeah, that's to me because I remember like we've talked a lot um, on these episodes about kind of leaving the cinema and a movie leaving a mark on you. And while Rocket Man, I, I much personally I preferred Bohemian Rhapsody, but I think Rocket Man was a different enough film that it still left a, an impact on you because it was much more of a, a musical than Bohemian Rhapsody was. It was a bit more fantasy oriented than. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was and someone like Mallory who really didn't know many Elton John songs she loved it she absolutely loved it so um, and that to me is kind of where if you're going to do that where you're going to give the slot to a biopic sort of like that where they've tended to do I honestly as much as I enjoyed Ford v Ferrari I would say Rocketman deserved this spot more and I don't know if that just comes out to the fact that Rocketman was released very early last year maybe got forgotten about I don't know but even Taron Egerton was fantastic in that movie so yeah, it's, it is interesting how kind of the, the Oscars kind of do that. Um, I mean, you know, we've kind of got that one this year, don't we, with Judy, with uh, kind of it's more about the acting than anything. Again, mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be this movie as well on the male side of things, but not. But, um, yeah, it's, it is fascinating. But um, how many of them have gone on to to win, though? Like, when was the last time we had, like, a, you know, like a, a Ray or a Walk the Line or something like that actually walk away with the, no pun intended, uh, the best picture? I don't think it ever happens. I mean, I, I, we can go back and look, but all the ones we could think about, like Walk the Line, Ray, Aviator, they're always the ones that you know come up short. They'll get a bunch of nominations. They'll usually win an acting nomination, and then something, Green Book? you know, maybe Does something in a technical category. Does Green- nah, I think it's a true story, but it's not like they're well-known characters. I think that we're looking at ones where they're famous going in and people are already talking about, you know, this is the Ford versus Ferrari movie. You know, this is the Carol Shelby movie or, you know, Would the it be a beautiful uh, mind, Ray then? Charles movie or something. A beautiful mind, maybe? But, but even still, with that, I think that's still, these are all adaptations, but like mm. not necessarily people, those characters, I feel like the majority of the audience was being introduced to for the first time. Yeah. Whereas this is one of these movies where the audience kind of knows going in like like again me not having much knowledge i know who ken miles was but i knew the name carol shelby i knew the name henry ford i knew the name lee iacocca i knew the name enzo ferrari you know uh so the audience already knows who they are going in and i think that just gives it that added boost where hollywood they they the oscars can't help but nominate oh you did a famous person and the movie's half decent we got to give it a nomination i'm kind of scrolling through the list here and yeah like on that like i'm sort of looking at braveheart but yeah that would be a similar thing so many people probably would know who william wallace was before that um maybe amadeus Mm -hmm. or i mean gandhi definitely but i mean amadeus would that count yeah yeah we're going that's 35 years ago you know 35 to 40 years ago for these movies yeah yeah it's crazy but like again it's i think kind of you alluded to there it's generally they get the acting the acting gongs don't they like you know they're they're the ones that sort of Mm -hmm. lands it so um again surprising because i mean i guess we can kind of um unless there's anything else I'm missing here that you want to talk about. I mean, Four vs. Ferrari got four nominations. And <laughs> outside of Best Picture, it's all for the technical side of things. Uh, film editing, sound editing, yeah. and sound mixing. So I think that just speaks volumes for kind of just 
this movie didn't really... I mean, it is the biggest surprise. I mean, this would this has the least nominee nominations out of any of the Best Picture nominees. So, um, yeah, it is, this is where, again, it's sort of the, the more surprising of all of it. So, um, I think we mentioned that it's maybe got a chance for one of the sound ones. Um, editing yeah. potential as well. I think maybe there's a, there's a chance yeah. for, for editing. But, I mean, again... Joker, Parasite, you would maybe... I mean, even The Irishman, I guess. <laughs> I mean, God, anyone who can sit there and edit that for 20 hours. Uh, Selma Shoemaker, give her the Oscar now. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe one of the sound ones you would think more than likely. But, I mean, this could very yeah. well not walk away with any. Yeah, and, I mean, this is why I'm not a big fan of expanding the best picture. And that's why I threw out in the little women episode too. I like the idea of maybe splitting a best male director and best female director so that, you know, you're, you're, you have a little bit more representation, not just representation as a male woman, but you have more of the best picture nominated movies look like they stand a chance because it's pretty much a given now with the, I mean, with the exception of Argo, nothing else in the last 30 years has won best picture without being nominated for best director. And, when Argo won, it was almost just despite that. It was because everybody was so appalled that Ben Affleck didn't get a Best Director nomination that it created so much support for Argo to win Best Picture because of that snub. That's never going to happen again. And it just always sticks out like a sore thumb when something's not nominated for Director and it's nominated for Best Picture. It sticks out like an even bigger, uglier, more mutated thumb uh, <laughs> when it's not nominated for anything other than technical categories. It was like when they first expanded the Best Picture nominated movies and The Blind Side got nominated for Best Picture and the only other nomination it had was for Best Actress. You know that has no shot. So uh, I know that their rules are always, you know, you have to get at least 5% of the vote to get a Best Picture nomination. But like, let's just pull it back and, and scrap a couple of them if it, it clearly has no chance in winning. Because like, what's the point? I mean, it, the, even the editing category, I don't even think this is even in the mix for that. Hmm. I mean, I think it's got more of a chance because, again, I think kind of just the way you've got to edit a racing film too, it's more, you know, sharp. You've got to keep it to a point where you feel that speed. You feel that, that level of excitement that motor racing brings. Cause, and I think that kind of, you know, the way that transitions on screen is probably a little bit more difficult than we're maybe giving it credit for. So I think it's, it's got a chance. I'm not saying it will win, but, um, I mean, sound-wise too, I think that kind of plays into it as well. I mean, petrol heads are going to go into this movie and they're going to know the sound of a 1966 Ford. You know what I mean? They're going to know what it sounds like. They're going to know the subtleties of how an engine should sound. So, you know, there's all that that you've got to get on screen and everything as well. So... Um, do you know uh, yeah. do you know what else is interesting with this movie? Tell me, Colin, there's what is interesting really with this of, movie? <laughs> there was a pause there. <laughs> there, there there's, not, there's not been a lot of criticism about it getting nominated for Best Picture, which mm. is why I think is interesting. Because when you get a movie like this, you think it would be, oh, that's the throwaway nomination. You know, a lot of people are saying The Irishman wasn't deserving, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, this movie or that movie isn't deserving. Nobody's really saying that this has a shot. They're just sort of saying Ford versus Ferrari got a Best Picture nomination. Well, I didn't see that coming. Mm. Well, good for Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> like people are genuinely happy that it's in there. It's just I don't think anybody's taking it seriously. That is interesting that you pointed that out because I mean there, there generally often is a movie or two that will get nominated. Ah, oh, why is that being nominated? Why is that being nominated? But yeah, no one's saying that. But it's like now that we do live in this age where kind of there's up to ten that are getting nominated. Um, 
I think we said this. Uh, what movie did we already say this with? You can refresh my memory, but this is definitely a movie that it just it, the the win for it is getting the nomination because they can put it, put it on the poster yeah. now, can't they? You know, nominated for best picture, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit. Like it's just the, the win in itself is getting that nomination. And like, let's be honest. Like, if you and I mm-hmm. were filmmakers, and we got a movie that was nominated for best picture. Yet we're not going to win. Like I'm going to be bloody happy. I can look back in my career and say, "Hey, oh, yeah. 25 years ago, I made a movie that was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. I got to go to the Oscars. I got to sit next to Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it was great." Um, and I think that uh, the, that's what this movie is for. For you know, for for everyone involved. And, and you know, James Mangold didn't get a Best Director nomination. Uh, nor do I think he's really made anything up until this point where he would have been in consideration. But he's always one of these directors that when his movies come out, like he never gets the credit that most directors do, but he's got a loyal fan base of people who just know he's going to deliver. And each time he puts out a movie, there's always that reaction. But, oh, you know what? You know, I don't think everything about that movie works. Like we saw, especially with Night and Day and The Wolverine, I don't think work but man like james mangold you know such a great director i know that he's got it'll be nice to see him get a director nomination one day because he's made so many really great movies that unfortunately he just happens to get i think i don't know maybe he goes out for movies like this he goes out for those movies that are just formulaic and he's like i'm gonna bring an interesting twist on it because i don't think that he's ever gone out of his way to make a movie that feels like oscar bait this might actually be the closest thing to it you know it's actually been a bit of a trend i think we talked last year a lot and we haven't really talked too much this year about how you know the best director category has often gone to sort of a non-american recently and kind of there's that trend but i think we've also got a real trend in the last few years haven't we of kind of these people who are involved in movies who you know they're so tied to other movies that all of a sudden they're doing movies that wow they've got nominated like peter farrelly last year you know this year it's todd phillips mm-hmm. and i mean i haven't really seen much of james james mangold but i mean kind of he's making these formulaic movies that are kind of just there it's kind of but here he is now finally getting at least a nomination for something i mean actually tell i've seen girl interrupted um but you really need to see 310 to yuma it's so good i've heard it's good i was watching something the other day that was mentioned on there actually and i think i've Christian seen Bale. kate and leopold that's isn't that hugh jackman he goes back in time or oh, something hugh jackman yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i've seen that um yeah. and i know mallory loves walk the line so i'm sure i'll watch that eventually we were meant to do that last year weren't we but we, hey, we never got around to it um so 310 to yuma russell crowe and christian bale like that's australia that's that's Christian Bale, that's everything. That's everything you want in a movie. Wales, and yeah. Actually, it's, it's, it's like still, I have yeah. not seen Logan. How have I not seen Logan? I've seen like five minutes of Night and oh, Day. Yeah. Um, and have I seen Copland? I feel like I've seen Copland. Anyway. Oh, really underrated movie. The point is, um, he's, oh, he um, he also did the pilot for NYC 2-2, a very underrated TV show that only lasted for like 10 episodes. What? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. It's, um, it was just like a random movie on a uh, random, sorry, movie TV show on like rookies in the NYPD. It had um, do you remember Lily Sabowski uh, had her in it? it had Adam Gold, oh, yeah. Adam Goldberg. Um, yeah, it just it only lasted for about ten episodes, but um, it actually was it's quite good. Like it actually was pretty good, and I'm surprised it didn't last longer. But anyway. That's anyway. oh, I'm hosting this episode. I don't know. Fuck, I've got um. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, you just shut up, Ben. Um. So we, we talked about that. Um. Fuck. How do I host this? What, what is this? A podcast? Who does this? Uh. What are we going to do with this movie? Yeah. Buying it, renting a bin. I bought it a couple of months ago. Um. So I'm going to buy it again. I still enjoy this movie. I really do enjoy this movie. I feel like I'm underselling it. 
Uh, this is definitely a movie that I can put in and watch. You know, I, I think I forgot that this goes for two and a half hours, so it's not exactly a short movie. It is long, yeah. Um, but again, I can I can watch this movie again. I enjoy this movie, and if I'm just ranking these based on popcorn flicks and ones that I enjoy, um, I'm going to rank this, you know, smack bang in the middle. I'm going to rank this, um, what are we up to? This is our sixth movie, isn't it? No, seventh movie that we've done. So, um, yeah, I'm going to rank it, what's that, make it fourth, fifth? Anyway, I'm buying it. Did I say that? I'm losing the point here. Colin, talk. Uh, I'm not going to buy it just because I didn't see it as being like anything that, that I'd go out of my way to watch again, you know, other than the fact that I just love Christian Bale. But I think there are so many other Christian Bale movies and even performances that are so much more interesting. Uh, I think the racing scenes are good, but I just don't think racing scenes translate well into movies, although this might be the best example of it. You know, for what it was, it was it was decent. Uh, if it was on TV, I'd definitely check it out again. But I, I, I'd give this a, a pretty solid rent. And as far as ranking it, I don't even know what number we're at. But <laughs> I basically put it ahead of uh, Little Women and Irishmen and just behind, say, Jojo Rabbit. Um, I definitely think, because I saw this on the big screen and the small screen, uh, it's a much better film on the big screen. Uh, so I, I will I will add that in there as well. Um, all right. Well, that means that tomorrow uh, we're doing Parasite. Now I'm getting all confused here because let's let's break the fourth wall here and say that guess what, audience, we've recorded Parasite already. So that's where I think kind of on the Parasite episode I didn't include Ford v Ferrari as part of our rankings. Um, so I will say I've actually got Ford v Ferrari one ahead of Parasite, which is going to piss you two off. But um, yeah, Parasite. Parasite. Um, you and Noah like it a lot more than I do. So, uh, do you care to preview what we've already recorded? Uh, yeah, so I mean, we're, we're recording these uh, ahead of time and all over the place. Uh, this was the last of the best picture movies. We've only got two, two left to cover, but this was the last one I actually watched. And uh, it was for no other reason than it's just it's not easy to find copies of these movies, and you were able to get me a copy. And I definitely was excited to see this because it was an Asian film that was getting nominated for Best Picture, which, you know, has only happened a few times before, despite many deserving it. But I don't think I expected to like this movie as much as I did. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie, and we have already recorded the episode, so all i got to do is stay, say stay tuned tomorrow. You're going to hear some debate on this episode, but uh, we are bringing Noah back. This is the first thing he's coming back for in quite a while because he was that excited to talk about Parasite, the movie that I think most people listening to this and most people who even are following the Academy Awards probably have the least familiarity with, but they probably should have more familiarity with it. And I'll say, I said it at the beginning of this episode, but we need to be nice to Noah because it's the last episode without him on. So I'll just say it right now. Noah's lonely and can't get a date. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, he doesn't get the joke because he hasn't heard it in the episode. It's brilliant. This is going to make 2020 even greater. So good. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. To steal a joke that Colin's going to say tomorrow, I really hope that somebody might include that in a recording very soon so we don't have to kind of say it all the time. Oh, it's hilarious because people are going to hear this one first and think I'm the comedic genius. Um, but yes, keep up to date with all our Oscar episodes and, uh, yeah, only a few more days away now from, uh, the 92nd Academy Awards and we're all very excited for it. My name is Ben and he said that the Oz Network makes ugly little podcasts in ugly factories. Oh, and he called you fat, sir. (laughs) And my name is Colin and vroom, vroom. uh...
Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.